Hello, my name's Adam Watling, Head of LCF Careers. You're joining us for a podcast exclusively for the School of Media and Communication Graduate Roadshow. We are joined today by a very special guest um, who has a background as a fashion stylist um, and has joined us today to talk a little bit about her skill set in relation to freelancing in this area. Um, and also her background in terms of her entrepreneurial journey to share with you some ideas and insights that you may find useful in your own next steps into your future career related to media and communication. So Simone has very kindly joined us to tell us a little bit about her background and journey to this point and hopefully share with you some insight and guidance you may find useful. So Simone, thank you very much for joining us. Firstly, I'd like to start with how you actually got attracted to uh, being a stylist, what what was it that specifically interested you about this type of role? Um, I think I like the idea of shopping. Okay. Mainly, initially, I wanted to be a fashion buyer for that exact same reason. Right. And then I found out that that wasn't actually what I thought it entailed. It didn't, um, and it was a lot more structures had to do spreadsheets and that sort of thing. So then I went away after my work experience and decided. I, well, I just thought about if I could do anything in the world for the rest of my life, what would it be? Okay. And then I googled, um, so how do I do shopping for the rest of my life? And I ended up finding um, reputable stylists and what they did and sort of looked along their career trajectory and started following them. Right. So yeah. it was very much, you looked at the kind of, um, the, the actual genetic makeup of those different roles. And yeah. for you, I guess, the buying side of things was maybe a little bit too on the business function yeah. side of things it involves a lot of numbers and and that sort of thing yeah. so it was the creative side for you that, that was always wanted, the driver that's what i wanted to hone in on more sure. I'd say. yeah definitely and so you did a bit of research because obviously it's very broad to start with going yeah. what's the job i want to do for the rest of my life how to be somebody shopping how did you actually start to make the right steps towards actually turning that into a reality for yourself i've kind of researched what I needed in order to start as a stylist so I then started to look at how to create a team so I can then start to create my own sort of photo shoots and how I can start to build a portfolio of some sort that I could then take on to show other people or show magazines and start to be published Um, so I went on to at the time there was a site called Model Mayhem where you can kind of find a photographer and a model who's all kind of looking for the same, they were looking, time for prints it was called, so um, everyone was trying to look to build a portfolio. Okay. started from that. So did you know of anyone at that time who was a stylist, or was it something that you'd kind of, up until the point where you started your research, was a totally untapped market to you, or did you have some sense already of what was involved? Um, no, I actually had <laughs> no idea at all. So I was literally Googling stylists. Well, because I was looking at magazines and things, like, okay, well, how do I do what they do? How, how do I create an editorial okay. and that sort of thing? And then I found out, oh, that's a stylist role. And then I Googled, okay, so right. what does a stylist do, sort of thing? I ended up finding different stylists that I quite like their style and then started to look at how it had taken them to get to that and then okay. realised I needed a portfolio. And so for you then, the role of stylist at the moment what what are your key priorities as a stylist, certainly in your remit? I guess I'm thinking about the people that you work with on a regular basis, so clients, yeah, uh, you okay. know, in terms of how you turn what you enjoy doing into an actual career that, that can pay the bills, if yeah. you like, what would you say are the priorities for you? I think you realise pretty quickly from when you start off wanting to 
create these amazing like Vogue stories and you know I want like Tim Walker esque sort of shoots, then you realise that that sort of styling doesn't necessarily pay the same in order to keep you living, if right. you know what I mean. So then yes. um, you end up going along the more commercial role and realising that you need to balance the two in order to eat. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for you, was it a case of taking some of those transferable skills that you already had, like your creativity, your knowledge yeah. of the fashion industry, and actually then starting to reach out to people that you felt were accessible or that you could influence or that would buy into you? Especially as a freelancer, yeah. you rely on you generating networks, yeah. contacts, connections. How did you start with that? How did you get into that um, process? I actually did a part-time Windows, um, visual merchandising for a little bit. Okay. So from that, I was able, the companies I was working with, I worked at Liberty for a little bit, I worked at Trade, the Harry Shop for a little bit. So I was able to build connections that way. And then I went to work for a photo studio that did a lot of e-commerce photography. Right. So I was working with brands, building their websites and their social content and that sort of thing so and a lot of people in that sort of field are freelance so you end up finding people to build teams with through that as well as right. well as um building more of a commercial awareness okay. at that time as well so i did that for a little bit so that gave you a platform really yeah. to be able to almost validate your knowledge of yeah. the industry and your awareness of like you said visual merchandising yeah. and the way things lay out why things are promoted or laid out as as they are i seen in a brand perspective as well rather than just kind of grounding it a little bit more and then i guess from there you learn and understood how a freelancer works because that is also something that if you've never had experience of it before you're like where does that even start yeah even things like you know invoicing putting yourself out there creating your website all of that is sort of come buying a domain even um that sort of comes as you as your needs grow, then you realise, okay, I need this, so how do I find that? Okay. Yeah. So talk us through the structure of the freelance stylist. So let's say tomorrow one of our students says, right, I'm going to do some freelance styling. What would be the first stage? What would be that first point for them, do you think? I would say to assist. Okay. Um, the first thing would be to find a stylist that you like on and try and assist them on some of their projects. Because from that, you're able to see how they put their shoots together, how you work in a photo shoot environment, um, how you liaise with a photographer, how you deal with the models, that sort of thing. So when it comes to you trying to do your own, you're starting off for a good, a good platform. I so guess. you're lear learning on the job, yeah, basically. basically because yeah. obviously I suppose the challenge you will have when you don't know about the problems that can arise, yeah. which I'll ask you about in a moment, <laughs> Um, you wouldn't know how to navigate. No, and etiquette, general etiquette, like certain things that you just shouldn't do, how to talk to a model, how to deal with agents, that sort of thing right. as well. Yeah. So do tell us about some of those challenges, because it sounds to me like communication skills Isn't are hugely awesome. important in what you do. Tell us about how you navigate those different personalities and... Well, you're having to deal with people all of the time and um, egos all of the time, and you're having to, especially as a stylist, Sometimes the idea that you think you're going to portray someone else might, like a photographer, will come and say, oh, actually, I want you to do it like this. But you're quite set on the idea that you have and you've done the work already and you've sourced the clothes that you want to. So it's trying to make sure everyone's happy and just finding a way to compromise without completely letting go of your idea. So right. communication is an absolute must, I would say. So you have to be quite strong as well to make sure that your vision yeah. for that part of the, the process is actually 
is kept to because there'll be a lot of people I would imagine who are thinking I don't want to do it like that yeah or, or people will doubt you as well especially as a stylist sometimes people say oh do you think that's going to work and you think well yeah that's always why I brought it so having the conviction to be like yeah this is this is my idea and it's going to be fine because at the end of the day you have to be happy with the end result as well because you know you've put the work in sure so. And do you often work to a brief that has been clearly set out for you or do you turn up to the shoot or, or the, the project that you're working on and say, I get, I'm get, i going to lay this out to people about how we're going to go about this? How, tell me a little bit about how that works. I think it very much depends on how you've been approached. So if it was a commercial client, then it tends to be, this is the brief and this is the reason why we're doing this shoot and I need you to sort of facilitate that. So then you're working around whatever their idea is. Whereas if it was a creative shoot, it tends to be more of a collaborative project. So everyone, you know, a photographer would be like, well, what's your ideas? And makeup okay. artists would put theirs in and then you'll all create a mood board together and it's all for one cause. Yeah. So I suppose on the very commercial projects, yeah. you would expect to be working to a set brief set because brief. there is a very clear understanding and of if we're trying to sell a product or reach a certain part of the market, it can only be done in like that this. way yeah because there's brand guidelines that need to be adhered to as well so you're very much sort of facilitating their idea i mean every now and again you can sort of be like, actually i really think you should maybe try this and um you'll have an art director who'd be like okay fine but so it's it generally so it also depends on the art director and the, the people that you're working with in terms yeah. of how creative you can actually be yeah and what's your favorite type of project to work on what's the thing that really gets you out of bed in the morning and because uh, you mentioned obviously you, you look at uh, the music industry as yeah. well but also fashion does that vary a lot is it mainly music or fashion what what do you find yourself working in recently it's been a bit more commercial work i'd okay. say i said more branding and social content and that sort of thing which i have found quite interesting it's a completely different way of thinking right because I think you're kind of creating a bit more, you're creating characters a bit more, yes. which is interesting. I mean, probably I prefer doing my own thing okay. more than anything, because it's completely my vision and no one can really tell me anything if it's you know right or wrong or anything, and I prefer that. <laughs> okay. And then just going back to the styling mm -hmm. side of things, you've mentioned the experiences you've had and, and different things you've been involved in over the years. Any specific styling shoots or campaigns that you worked on that, that stay in your mind as being one of the best or most enjoyable for you to be involved in? I would say that the most enjoyable was when I was on Lana Del Rey's styling team. Oh, say, right, okay. It's pretty high profile. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I actually forgot about that. Um, <laughs> because at that time, I was able to work with her and uh, my friend, who was her main stylist, from inception from the very beginning. So I was able to see before she was signed, doing the shoots of her to when she was signed, and then her first music video, second music videos, and just her absolute career trajectory was amazing. It was really fun to be a part of that. And yeah. did you get much time to spend with her? And yeah, was she, was she quite lovely. approachable? Yeah, and could you sometimes was... worry that working very high profile celebrities, I guess, you never know what to expect? I but... think because it was from the beginning and she wasn't actually signed at that time. So she Got came it. around, okay. like, she'd come around to my house, met my dad, I mean, right. like hanging out. So at the time, it, it, you wasn't sort of aware of her stardom, if you know what I mean. Obviously, yes. she's amazing, she's beautiful, like, she's definitely going to be a star. But from the beginning, it sort of. Um, it, she was really nice to hang out with and it was yeah. nice to work 
with and then as it kind of went on she's still really lovely so yeah yeah it was fine and are you able to keep in touch with those sort of networks you know as they as they grow and become even bigger stars do you, do you tend to find yourself working with either them or people they know and again I guess it's about that that the huge ne- network yeah isn't yeah, it? yeah it is and you t- then sort of the record label will have someone else come on board and then you yes. end up working with them and that sort of thing so yeah it, it is about your network really and that's how the whole thing keeps on rolling yeah. Yeah. and also <laughs> yeah. you have to do a good job like, yeah, oh God, yeah. You know, if you hadn't have dealt with it in a certain way or approached it in a certain way, then I guess you could quickly fall out of the loop. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. So you're really, doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> it happens quite quickly. If, if you have a bad day, that's sort of thing, you kind of have to push yourself aside, definitely, because you're there to do a job and that's... And it's quite a small world, isn't it? It's a very small world. It's a bit of a cliche, but it's true. When you work in this this type of sector, you realise how many people you keep meeting or knowing. Yeah, so I'd say be nice to absolutely everyone, even if you don't want to. (laughs) For sure, because next thing, yeah. And you don't know also where people are going to end up. So that can come back to bite as well, definitely. (laughs) And for you, what ultimately is your main outcome? If you've done, worked on a specific brief or project or run your own shoot what is your ideal outcome that makes you look back on that and say that was successful like that that went well how fluid it was if it's okay. like not particularly stressful I mean it's going to be stressful to a degree always because it's something you love so it's always going to be slightly stressful but if um you had the right team in place and you just know that you got the shots that you were that you're after I think that's when I'm like successful if I'm Spent all the day going, yes, I love it. Then it's been a great day. <laughs> and and what you mentioned the team there around you. Can you tell us a little bit about the type of people that you expect to be working with as a stylist? You know, you, you have photographers, or you mentioned models earlier, art directors. Who are the, the people that you always think, right, that's who I'm going to spend most of my day or days with that I need to be communicating well with? A general team would be photographer, model, art director... Um, hair and makeup, which can be hair and makeup separately or together. Okay. And yourself, generally. So you'll probably spend the most amount of time liaising with the photographer and the hair and makeup artist before the shoot. Right. Um, just to make sure everyone's on the same page and everyone knows what they're expecting to get at the end, what they're expecting to achieve. I'd say, and then if you're on a commercial shoot, then that's when you then bring in producers and art directors, creative directors, that sort of thing. So that planning stage before yeah. you even set foot into the, the the process of the shoot is really really important to make sure that i guess you maximize the time that yes, you're using exactly. on the day as well definitely and and are you the person as a stylist what level of responsibility do you have for do you identify the models do you identify the photographers that you're going to be working with or is often a case of saying this is who you're working with off you go how does how does that side of things work again i think that depends on whether it's commercial or creative because if it's commercial then generally the company or the brand would say this is our photographer this is our brief Um, it's kind of laid out for you a little bit more whereas i think oh and they tend to do the casting as well because they know it's again it all comes under brand guidelines so they know exactly who their customer profile is and what they sort of want to represent in their model Whereas in a creative process, it's more sort of dependent on the vibe of the mood board and that sort of thing. And you'd get to choose your photographer, well, personally, I like to choose your photographer and hair and makeup artist that you just know work and you know work well together. Because 
I think it's difficult if you're trying to work with new people each time because mm. everyone's obviously really different and people have different ways of communicating. So someone might think someone's actually quite rude, but you know they're fine, that's just how they are, and you know you're going to get the results. So, so that network is really, really important, really important to yeah. you. Did you... You've obviously got a network of, like you say, of people that you know, that you trust, you know you can work with. How did you, how did you start to build that up? Was it just a case of over time, the more shoots you're involved in and the more of this work you're involved in, yeah, you met new people? Yeah, it's absolute trial and error, right. really. And at the beginning, you, that's why you do the testing, I think. So you just tend to find people that you like, initially just like their work, you like their vibe, but then you can get on set with someone and think, actually, do you know what, we don't really gel together very well. So you meet someone else and you get on really well, so then the next time... You'd use them again, but maybe use a different photographer. And then next thing, you know, you have your team and you're like, right, this is who I can rely on for basically anything. And then you start to go into things with a little bit more confidence because yeah, exactly. you kind of can... And you know what to expect on the shoot yeah. and you just know... If you come up with a crazy idea, like, let's just take your top off, that you know they're not going to think you're crazy, you know? So, yeah. yeah, it's trust, isn't it? Yeah, and, exactly. and knowing your parameters that you're right. going into yeah. gives you that confidence to say this is... Controlling what you yeah. can control is yeah. probably about as good as it can, can get. <laughs> yeah. On the day of the shoot or during a project, how important is time management? Because I imagine, especially if you're using set locations that cost money and you don't really want to go over no. the time that you've got that. Is that is that a big consideration for you? It is, but I, for some reason, shoots generally run over. I think you generally expect That's to just have... Accepted. Yeah, okay. like you generally expect to have an hour or so of time where you probably will run over because it will take the model an hour or so to warm up at the beginning so you also start off with putting a, like an outfit on that you kind of mm, you don't mind but you just need to give them time to sort of warm up and then you the ones that you really want to shoot you know this is the look you kind of put in the middle right yeah, yeah. you have though again they're so variables of saying i know that this is going to take x amount of time, time yeah. it will probably overrun but i'll still try and because like you said you have um cost to consider and studio yes. time and that sort of thing so and models time and that sort of you know your time as well to be honest yeah absolutely. so yeah that take that into consideration as well and then in terms of going back to what we were saying about keeping a roof over your head and <laughs> yeah. and uh you know um trying to kind of have some kind of life outside of the busy work that you do as you've developed your experience in this area, how how do you approach costings? Is that something that you discuss immediately? Is it something that is managed for you? How, can you tell us a little bit about that element? You don't have to go into specifics, <laughs> but just in terms of the actual process. You mean rates? Rates and, yeah, how you reach those, you know, how you reach the, the rates that you reach. Okay, yeah. And then at what point do you propose your costs? Pretty early on, I'd okay. say, because I think it's it's not good to assume that someone's going to pay you a certain amount or that they're going to pay you for something that you consider to be extra time or, you know, um, research time, that sort of thing, which they will just assume comes all under the same day and however long you take on it is really up to you. So it's good to lay out, I'm going to spend X next time mood boarding and researching and then this is my prep time, this is the shoot and then this is my returns time. So if it's all laid out initially everyone knows exactly how much those things are going to cost and then you can negotiate from there basically. and was that something when you first started <laughs> yeah. charging for your service that you struggled a little bit with naturally we're not great well, as a nation money, at right. talking about money <laughs> but it obviously is something that needs like you said for the reason you just said needs to be discussed yeah and that's something you learn did that take time for you yeah because i think you feel a bit 
bad, weirdly. You just feel like, oh God, I don't know, shall I say, I actually want to be paid this, but maybe it's too much, so I'm not going to bother. And then you do the job. I mean, you learn this very quickly though, because you do the job and you think, do you know what, that actually was a lot and I should have been paid way more for it. So then the next job you think, actually, I'm going to factor in, like I said, the prep time and the time it's taking me to research and things like that. And some things you just can't, Build everything for you just can have yeah. to say that that's just part of how it is so you try and have your own processes down a little bit more so it doesn't take you as long yeah absolutely because I, I guess in the early stages you think about the actual time that you're there doing the work yeah but you if we've already touched on have to do some planning yeah that needs to be if you weren't doing that job you wouldn't, you wouldn't be using that to... time <laughs> yeah exactly okay. so it's quite interesting I always find that quite interesting and then just one last question on the um, on the kind of the income side of things looking back over what you just saying there about trying to preempt costings if you for example were working on a campaign or a shoot that out of no fault of your own ended up taking even longer to get completed do you then go back to the client and have a conversation further down the line or do you put in some kind of, do you have a contract or a disclaimer that you put into place i'm just really interested in that um, that side of things i don't have a contract as such but i think if it came to the brief was changed quite a few times so right. then you're now having to reprep and you're having to sort of do your work all over again and that kind sometimes and that can happen and sometimes happens two or three times you do have to have the discussion of okay well if we're going to go any further then we do have to discuss that i'm going to have to bill you for x next amount of time because now i'm doing the job twice so generally, I think a client will know that that's probably going to be the case because that's factored in when they've changed a brief a million times. Right. So it's not something I would say to just leave and bill at the end because it's still nice to give them the courtesy of saying, actually, I'm going to bill you for this. And they can then decide yes or no from there. Okay. Mm. No, it's interesting because I think obviously that is something that at the start of your career... You're worried to even say, you're yeah. like, oh, don't worry, it's fine. I'll just take the money. It's okay. But then right. you think, actually, no, my time, time is money at the end of the day. And I could have been doing yeah. something else from doing a different job. So so that has to be accounted for, yeah. yeah. And going back to earlier on, so you talked about some of the advice for, for our students, maybe who are even just trying to work out or consider whether or not going down the styling route might be something open to them or even just learning a bit more about it. You mentioned you had a bit of experience doing visual merchandising. You mentioned building your network through some of the social media yeah. work that you did. What other uh, good steps do you think that our students who are maybe haven't got any experience at the moment can take to getting themselves out there? Is it researching what a stylist actually does? Um, I think that there just seems to be a lot more information on what a stylist is nowadays. I think people are a lot more aware of a stylist's role in the first place. Whereas I had to which is actually showed my age, but I had to actually Google it, sort of like, what does a stylist right. do? But I think now you tend to be more of aware of a stylist, of like a celebrity stylist and that sort of thing. So you might sure. have a bit more of an idea, but um, I'd say networking is your biggest thing really right. and assisting because then that will then open the doors to someone else who might need an assistant or the stylist might be able to pass down a project to you that they can't do after a while. So then that will help to open up your own network. And to be a stylist, do you think you need to have it in you that you are passionate yes. about a specific... <laughs> before I even finish the... Yes. To be passionate, yeah. I mean, I think that's a fairly good rule of thumb for any yeah. profession. And if you, if you can't be passionate about what you do, then you're, you're going to struggle. But I guess specialising in a certain style or look or lifestyle... Do you think that's vitally important? If you're going to be a stylist, you have to have a specific vision for what you always want to do, or...? Do you know, I think, it, I think that's quite subjective, only because I was initially told 
that you have to only be, you could only be fashion or only be music or, right. and that sort of thing. And you could maybe like, if you do the Calvin Klein-esque type styling, then just do that. And if you do, you know, the more editorial Tim Walker style, then just do that. But I do think if you're a creative person, then you can, you can change what you do a bit more because you just, it's just a case of changing your way of thinking, but it's all a challenge and it's all interesting. So you just sort of maneuver yourself to that particular brief. Okay. Which may, might be a bit controversial. I don't know, but no. Well, I think we, if you, you know, it's coming from you, so we, yeah, you're you're perfectly entitled to have that that view because I think your experience in in this type yeah. of remit is very interesting to get your opinion on that. So thank you for sharing it. So tell us a little bit then about the entrepreneurial side of yeah. of your journey as well, because you're now CEO at the Style Merchants. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the Style Merchants and. Um, that side of things the star merchants is my baby and it's a street style vintage brand that came from my love again of clothes and just wanting to find things that are a little bit more different i find that being in fashion and and in styling there's only a very small number of ways that you can be so it's not actually as creative as you kind of think so everyone sort of thinks like oh we're all different we're actually all doing the same thing so this was a way for me to just completely show what I actually wanted to do. So what's involved then? So you've got a vintage store, did you say? Um, yeah, it's changed its guys quite a few times okay. over the last few years. So it started off as I do a lot of pop-up events right. um, and festivals and that sort of thing. I did have a shop in Camden for the year, okay, uh, which was really fun and I absolutely loved it. But I was still styling at the same time. Right. So basically I never stopped working. So you never had any downtime? Never had any downtime. So if I was on a set or anything like that, I just wasn't in the shop. And then as soon as I came off that, I went to the shop. And right. so the two things, it was just bouncing between the two all of sure. the time. Yeah. And do you have a partner who works in the business with you? And No, not anymore. Um, okay. I started the business with a partner. Right. Um, and then we, that's when we used to do events and that we had it at like Hoxton Hotel and that sort of okay. thing. And then we parted ways, but right. I really love the brand, so I kept it on myself sure. and then started doing my own pop-up events with um, Vice Magazine. Okay. So I started doing that, which was really fun. And then I ended up going to the shop and then ran myself into the ground. So then I went back to doing pop-up and events and having the store online. So um, yeah, now basically what I do is the events and I'm rebuilding the store again online. Right, yeah. okay. So it's an online, moving it onto online, and, online and trying yeah. that way. What new challenges has that brought for you? So you're getting used to the, back into the e-commerce side of yes, things. Yeah, and yeah. So that has been good experience actually doing, you find that no matter what you do, all the experience that you that you gain is really, really useful because it does come into play right. at some point in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, pop-up events and you really enjoying that yeah. element of it because you get to interact with your customers and future customers and, and so on. Can you tell us a little bit about how you go about organising those events and what they sometimes look like? Um, the events varied between events that I put on myself. Okay. So that was sort of, at the time when I split up with my business partner, I had a load of stock that um, I needed to sell and I wasn't right. sure what to do with it and I had previously been doing events like the stylist rail at the Hoxton hotel and um, like the wick festival and that sort of thing whereas I just went along as a trader and I really enjoyed that and it's a really nice way like you said to kind of um, meet your customers mm. and that sort of thing so when I came to put it on my own I found a venue I'm from East London so there's loads of venues so I'm yes yeah happy to put something on for you so I found something with Vice magazine and sort of set up the day and then just 
promoted the hell out of it, basically. And how did you promote? Was it directly to a network of people that you're aware of? Was it through commercial advertising? Um, my promotion was a lot through Facebook advertising right. and Instagram. So social media, social essentially, media. yeah, definitely. Yeah. And targeting specific groups uh, and making sure that they were ones that were actually going to come down. I didn't do as many posters, strangely. Right. But I, at, it was at birthdays. I don't know if you know... Birthdays? No. Mm. No, I'm showing. I, I, sh I want to say yes to make myself look cool, but I'm afraid that ship has sailed. Well, it was, out, it was in Dawson, so I was able to kind of put a few flyers and that th sort of thing outside there, but generally it was on social media. Yeah. Okay. For you then, you, I guess you could run lots of events, spend loads of money on it, and actually at the end of it, everyone had a good time, but did that actually convert into what you wanted them to convert into. Do you worry about that when you're doing an event? Is that a driver for you that ultimately I need to make sure that the people I'm targeting and they're going to come along, it's value for money without sounding too cold and cynical yeah. about it? Definitely. I think that just depends on where the where you decide to hold the event. Luckily, I was in a place where there was a lot of passing traffic as well, which I think is something to take into account because... People click attention all the time to loads of things. Yes. But whoever actually turns up can vary quite a bit. So I think you want to, yeah, be sure that you have the passing traffic and know exactly what the point of the event is. Like, what do you want to build your mailing list? Is it just you just want to sell? What's that point? And then sort of gear the event towards that. And what was it for you? Or what is, does it tend to be for you, especially as it's around the, the store? Is it is it about, at the end of the day, selling them? Yeah, I mean, it's generally about selling, but also um, creating a brand following. And I, th I find it a lot easier if I can meet my customers at the time and speak to them about the brand and invite them into the Star Merchants world so that when they do come online, they already have the experience, and they remember the physical experience, so they're happy yes. to then, you know, shop They can on. associate the story behind it yeah, with yeah, what yeah, they're exactly. actually spending their, yeah. their money on. Yeah, and how important is venue choice for you? Do you spend a long time having to think about where you want to host a particular pop-up event or do you tend to go with places that you already know about? Probably a bit of both. I, it's way easier if you have some sort of connection. But again, I like it to be in a place that has passing traffic as well, like I said before, yeah, like, because that helps to boost you know, people that just walk in the door and... And yeah. people know where they go in and yeah, they're aware of, yeah. and aware it's of also, that location. Yeah, exactly. So if it's something that someone recognises, yes. then they're like, oh, yeah, cool, been there before. Yeah, I'm happy to go there. But if it's sort of, you have to get on like a million buses and blah, 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 then people are not interested. Yeah, it can be an off-putter, can't yeah, it? Especially yeah, yeah. if you've been at work all day or yeah. suddenly you just think, oh, can I do just, this? And like you say, there is a shortfall of people attending yeah. events. Yeah. Even if it's free and there's going to be a drink, sometimes exactly. that's, that's not enough, There's is so it? many events in London as well. Right. So you have to sort of take that into consideration I mean it's nice if you can like bolster people that you think are going to come with people that are just passing by as well and are there any days specific days that you think that's a no-no for an event that you found like would you avoid Mondays or Fridays oh my God, or yeah definitely I would say I'm Saturday I mean it's generally quite a cliche day but um Saturday because after work people are tired it's been a long week Friday you can't really be bothered but Saturday, you kind of like, right, let's do something. You know, you want to sort of maximise your weekend. Yes. So I'd say that's the best day because even on a Sunday, sometimes it's like people stay of rest, they can't leave right. the house. But so, it, yeah. so then that leads me back to budget management around a, an event because I bet it's quite tempting to say free drinks all night. And yeah, do you know <laughs> but that comes at a cost. Do you stick rigidly to a budget or do you try and avoid using any budget at all? And 
Yeah, I try to find a place that has a vibe already. So then you can then say, oh, plus it has a free bar. No, not free bar, but it has like a bar where you can buy half price drinks or happy hour until this point. So it has another attraction. So you're not just shopping. So I also try and get a DJ in half the time. So I'm like, so there'll be tunes and there'll be drinks and you can shop, like best day sort of thing. Cause it's nice to create a whole shopping experience rather than just yeah, loads of rails. So they come along to your event and you have the space and then you actually have physical stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wherever all, you are, you yeah, make sure always. that there's things for people to buy and yeah, look at. And yeah, there's always loads of rails of clothes and I've generally sort of decorated the space as well. So like, like I say, I call them like Star Merchants World. So it's like mini shops essentially. So there's always stock to buy. There's generally music playing and there's generally a bar and food. So it's fairly easy for you to measure the success of an event directly. I find that quite interesting. It's not like a marketing campaign. You're no, yeah. Well, it obviously is, but you're physically able to sell. Yeah, 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 definitely. There as well, because if you took that out of it, and then you were going, well, now I'll work out if it's successful with people coming into the, coming into the store, or, you know, in the, yeah. in the future. You, well, the fact just... you've got the pop-up element. Yeah. Makes it an instant review of, of how that event worked for you. Yeah, and I just think it's fun to people, like you go shopping with your friends, you're able to try things on together, like, you know, there's music that you like listening to, you can have a drink, you're trying things on. I just think it, it wouldn't make any sense for me as a clothing brand to not have anything anything there for people to actually be able to buy. Sure. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be a bit, yeah. a bit odd, wouldn't <laughs> it? And lastly on that then, going back to the actual invite process, yeah. my understanding is that if you invite 100 people, you're probably looking at about 30 people arriving. Yeah. Do you bear those ratios in mind when you start to look at how many invites you send out? I mean, that part you of the process. start to, because I mean, at the beginning, you're, you're really positive. And you're like, oh my God, it's gonna be like, you know, loads of people are gonna turn up, it's gonna be packed and that sort of thing. But you have to bear in mind, yeah, like you said, that there's different variables why people wouldn't turn up. So you over promote and you overdo sort of poster given out sort of thing just to make sure that you've covered all bases. So if you expect half of that to come, generally I'm probably really optimistic, but I expect at least half to come, then I'll be happy with that. Well, I guess it's, again, it's knowing that audience you're appealing to, doesn't yeah. it, really, and reaching out to, to, to get a sense of that. I think luckily in East London, though, people tend to go out and shop quite a bit. There yes. are vegan fairs and there's like, you know, ceramic fairs and that sort of thing on, so people tend to turn up. Fantastic. <laughs> and as you've moved forward and you've taken on new ventures and obviously still keep up the styling, what is it that you, you know, what is it you're prioritising now? Are you, are you saying, are you trying to say like, I want to stick on the, focus on the styling or is it 50-50 between the styling and the online venture? How, how's that working out for you? Um, at this present moment in time, I am... Um, probably focusing more on the star merchants only because I've realized that the 50-50 thing is really difficult and the star merchants is something that naturally comes through. I'd love it without any sort of flaws or whatever, any thinking about it, if you know what I mean. Sure. So like when I do events and that sort of thing, that is when I'm actually at my absolute happiness, right. I'd say. So meeting customers and translating to them the reason why I've bought something and like upstyling with them and for them and that sort of thing. That's that's my absolute joy. So. Well, I was going to say, it must lend itself to both skill sets Definitely. and attributes, you know, of running your own store, but also being able to talk to your customers yeah. about the styles in the store and, yeah. and identifying with them what it is that they might want to think about for their own look. Yeah, and each piece I buy is really, really different. So in my mind, I've already styled all of them. 
Got it. So then right. <laughs> when I'm able to, when I'm selling that, I'm able to say, well, actually, I think you should wear it with this and that and but look really cool, you know, add this jacket or this boot, mm. which does help with the selling, to be fair, because then someone already has a whole outfit that they can take away with them. So being a stylist has helped with the brand as well, mm. to be honest. Yeah, definitely. A couple of fun, fun questions, if you like, <laughs> now. So I've been hitting you hard with the, the business questions and the, your background. Do you think that you could pretty much style anyone? Uh, I'm always interested to, to find, a bit like when you speak to a psychologist and, they, oh, and right. you ask them, you know, can you tell me all about how I'm, what I'm all about? How do you go about actually making and styling someone? Do you have some people that are harder to figure out than others or is it like a getting to know them as people? I'm always interested in that side of things. I think it depends what it's for, like it's personal styling. Um, what you find is that that's more of a therapy thing and you have to sort of okay. then work with people's insecurities and something that they've always hated about themselves and dealing with that, mm. right? It's not just the clothes, you know, like women tend to hate a particular body part of theirs. So it's make it's reassuring them and that sort of things. Whereas styling a music artist is, is a bit more open. So they want to be on stage, they want to be seen. So you can kind of be like, oh, I want a secret dress, it's fine. So again, one is very much marketing still. Even yeah. It's, it's yeah. a person in the music it's industry. Marketing, yeah. You're marketing to a specific audience mm. that they're trying to reach. Whereas individual styling is like, well, actually, you're just wearing something to make yourself feel confident and happy. And it has a totally different yeah, dynamic, way of going about it. But you can essentially style anyone. Yeah, it's yeah. just finding out the reasons why and what the, what the main aim is. Yeah. So do you feel like you're quite an intuitive person and you have to have quite a bit of intuition to do what you do in order to understand people and marketing and is that a, I think a that's big just, factor? Well, that's just how I like to work because even if I am working for music artists, I still like them to feel comfortable. So whereas some people might not be that bothered about that because it's about the look, but I think you're the most comfortable. You look the best when you feel comfortable. Okay. <laughs> So last couple of questions for you now then. So can you tell us then really what would be the main thing that you would say to our students with their next steps in the, certainly in the creative field towards styling or even on the enterprise side of things? Any key final bits of advice around, around that? I would say make sure you absolutely love it because there's times, that, there are times when you'll waver, you know, especially at the beginning of your career and you're like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore, I'm done. You have to have that love for it no matter what but I can't actually imagine myself doing anything else because that is what will keep you going when you're not entirely sure what you're doing <laughs> those days when you're then getting the, out yeah. of bed and thinking have I made the right choice yeah. or done the right yeah. and the right exactly. thing and then one last practical question hopefully is around portfolio yeah uh, which we haven't touched on but it's probably quite important to end on do you have a portfolio? Have you always had a portfolio of your work from the styling point of view? And is that something you advise that anyone who is going to work as a freelancer or in, in the future should really think about developing a strong portfolio? Definitely. I think you can't actually work without a portfolio because there's nothing for anyone to see what your style is, what you're capable of, what your level is. Um, so generally, portfolios are more our websites currently, which quite easy to build um, and there's a load of platforms such as Squarespace, Wix, that sort of thing right, okay. where um, you can kind of copy and paste your photos quite easily and you can set one up you know within a day but I'd say you can't really approach anyone even another member of a team if you didn't have a portfolio so yeah. And would you advise that within that portfolio you try and do a range of different types of projects to show 
your different abilities and and that because you mentioned the personal styling but also styling yeah more of the marketing commercial side of things i do think it's good to show the different things that you can do because generally people see your portfolio and they can't imagine you to be able to do anything else i think a lot of people can be guilty of that if you see one person who only does really glamorous style you can't imagine that you'd maybe be able to start someone in just a jeans and a t-shirt type style Mm. so i would suggest that it's good to have a, a wide range of everything that you can do just without it looking messy so i mean if you put everything in sub categories then people can just you're able to see it yeah a broad range of what you can do and especially for a lot of our audience listening will be just starting out on this journey and whilst taking some of your advice earlier which is work with other people who are already established in styling yeah. as freelancers having a portfolio is quite broad and, and shows a range of different creativities at this moment in time it's, it's fine because yeah. it's i guess showing that I'm still learning and developing, yeah. but as you f- begin to get more of that experience like you have and start to focus, I guess that portfolio becomes more and more Yeah, and I think people about. tend to, maybe even so at the beginning, like this is my style and this is what I want to be and this is what I want people to approach me for. Um, so if you just want to hone in on that as well, then that's perfectly mm. fine, yeah, because then another photographer will be like, okay, yeah, that's my style as well, so let's work together and build that up, so... And would you advise, just like a lot of other industries, that a, a good CV is is kind of important, or is it is it more mainly about the portfolio and your interaction with people that you you meet? Yeah, I think CV is just very different in this industry because I can't remember the last time I actually sent my CV to right. someone. Yeah, so you'd kind of have a general cover letter, which will then which will explain sort of the clients that you would have had that's me personally now, okay do you know what I mean and um, the clients that I would have worked with and then I'll add a link to my website sure rather than an actual CV but starting out I don't know because I think your experience might necessarily be relevant to what you want to do right. now so if you could maybe create like a one page website type thing that will have a brief overview of like who you are and mm. your aspirations type thing then that that or at least having, I guess, a LinkedIn, a LinkedIn page, which yeah, I know you yeah, have as love well. LinkedIn, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's yeah. how we've, we found oh, really? each other as well, <laughs> found you. And then very final question, I'm quite interested just to finish on. How, how would you say the majority of people actually find out about you and what you you do? So is it word of mouth? Is it, do you do a lot of social media stuff? You mentioned your website earlier. Do you tend to find a traffic of people wanting to work with you now? Um, mine is generally word of mouth. I'm generally quite a social person, so just from being out in places and meeting people and then next things, oh yeah, take, you'll take my email and then something comes up and yeah, they'll send me a message. Or if I've worked with someone then and something comes up from someone else, then they'll say, oh, I know a stylist, that would be really good for that. And then I'll get an email from someone about that. But um, also from the different jobs that I've done and the different studios I've worked at, people tend to move around and as they move around, they kind of like take you with them. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's so once awesome. again, it comes back to that, it really, really that does network. network yeah. and I guess for our students as well, whilst at LCF, it's surrounded by place. surrounded yeah. by other people going into the industry yeah. from not just from school and media and communication, but the other schools as yeah. well. So that collaborating, that networking is is really important. It's definitely your platform. That that would be your jump into it. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen. Thank you very much Pleasure. for taking the time to speak to us and share us with us some of your insights. It's really useful to to hear from someone like yourself who's gone into a quite competitive market and continue to work hard and try different ventures. So we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been fun. Yes.